So, how would you define a maverick? Um, uh, you know, I think the way I think about it is that someone who's, um, you know, operating in a way that's not constrained by tradition or the conventional rules. Um, you know, the way we think about it is that uh, um, we're constrained by the laws of physics, um, not by the laws made up by tradition and uh, conventional wisdom. Okay. Uh, there you are. The London School of Economics developed a maverickism scale. Okay. I'm going to give you seven statements and you just need to say true, false or you can't decide. Okay. People tell me that I'm a maverick. True. I have a knack for getting things right when least expected. <laughs> True. I have a way of solving problems which is different from other people. True. I am much more productive than other people. Uh, okay. Yeah, I guess I'll say I can't decide on that one. Okay. I'm certainly true for some people. Okay. Yeah. I have very unusual talents. True. I am generally underestimated by people. Oh. I don't think that's true. Okay. I do things differently and better than most people when I work. I don't know, the quite, all the questions that are about most people are hard for me to answer. Um, okay. Yeah, you know, I guess I don't know. Fair enough. Why do you do things differently, Pavlos? Oh, why? Yeah. Oh, because I figure, you know, there's plenty of people doing things the normal way mm -hmm. already. So uh, um, I don't figure we're going to discover um, what's possible unless we do things differently and see how it goes. Okay. Does doing things differently require certain skills? And if so, what are they? Well, I guess you could classify it as skills. I think the, you know, doing things differently requires um, that, you know, you're open to what's possible and figuring out what's possible rather than just what you've seen done before. Okay. And what a lot of people are, you know, stuck with is only being able to imagine what they've seen done before. And so, um, you know, even I have that problem. Mm -hmm. uh, it's much easier for me to imagine what I've seen before. Yeah. So I have to go try new stuff. Um, sometimes they're random to see what's possible, and um, and even if I don't know if it's going to work out. Okay. Uh, so that's a, that's important skill, and then you know there's a lot of ways to elaborate on that. Um, you know, if you uh, are worried about what people think, or worried about losing your job, or worried about you know um, what what the possible ramifications of how you do things are, then it can be very difficult to to go do random stuff that you don't have real confidence in. So, what are the challenges to being a maverick? Well, I think like the biggest one is probably uh, social pressure. Mm -hmm. You know, people don't like to feel like they're going to lose something, and if they've had some success of any kind, um, whether it's social or financial, they don't want to lose it. 
Okay. And, um, you know, that's true for everybody. I mean, uh, and so, um, and it's true for me too. You know, if I'm, I'm already pretty successful, I don't know why I'd want to screw that up by okay. um, taking on something super risky. Okay. Uh, so I have to force myself to do that. And I think, you know, um, some people are naturally better at that. And, and, uh, and also, you know, that's part of why people who are younger are often, um, you know, capable of doing something because they don't know what can't be done. Yeah, yeah. What aspects of your character influence your maverick approach? Um, you know, I think the biggest one for me is this... Uh, you know, kind of insatiable curiosity I had about um, figuring out what I could do with computers. Okay. My whole life has been trying to take computers and cram them into some place where they haven't been before or find new things that we could do with them. And, um, and computers are kind of a bottomless pit of intrigue, so it was easy place for me to just run as far as I could, as fast as I could with what interested me. And that's how I learned a lot okay. um, with other things. It's not as easy to learn that way. Um, and so for me, a lot of it was that I chose computers or ended up with computers as the thing I was into. And um, that turned out to not only be useful, it wasn't clear at the beginning that it was going to be useful, but they turned out to be useful okay. and, um, and you know, you know, very uh, relevant. So... Okay. I got lucky in that sense. Mavericks often have unusual talents. What would you say yours are? Um, you know, I have a relative lack of fear of scale. So when it comes to um, imagining taking a project and doing it at a very large scale, I can do that better than some people. Okay. Um, but... You know, that's not something that comes naturally to very many people. Mm -hmm. um, and I've had to, you know, try to maintain that um, and work at it some. I think if I have any real unusual talents, I, I don't know, it's probably that um, uh, I, I don't even know if it's a talent so much. It's just that I have not had to worry about any actual problems, you know, <laughs> like I don't have... I don't have actual problems. I'm pretty well taken care of. Okay, okay. I'm not going to starve. I'm not sick. I'm okay. having a good time. Uh, I'm not broke. You know, like those things are all pretty well taken care of. So, I, so I'm not fearful and protective of those things. I don't want to end up broke or sick or whatever, but, um, but I'm willing to uh, take those... Um, comforts and use them to buy my time to work on things that other people wouldn't okay know. so um you know when i have extra money i spend it on creating a new technology or company okay. i don't spend it on a yacht or a ferrari so at least i know you can afford one yeah well that's <laughs> right I, I could have <laughs> but it's been i probably could but i you know i might eventually be able to afford both okay. so i imagine doing that but you know okay that may never happen so ha never say never yeah. how do you see rules well you know i see rules and you know most
most people's first experience with the rules is in the context of playing a game. Okay. And when what they don't realize, and somehow they lose track of this, they continue to play games. Every time that you have rules, those rules come because you are playing a game. Right. And God did not make any games. Those are not natural games. Those are things humans created. So the humans created the rules. And um, those humans may not have gotten them right. Whatever game you're playing, uh, you might just choose to play a different game. And that is one of the ways that I cheat. You know, I don't yeah. play other people's games. I'm not trying to be awesome at basketball mm-hmm. or something that lots of other people are really good at. I'm trying to be the world's number one Pablos. Yeah. And I'm succeeding at that. There's almost no competition. So you can make your own rules. And okay. so I think... Um, you know, a lot of people accept the rules and they and they have a lot of faith in them and they hope that if they play by the rules, they will get, um, you know, predictable results. But you can see that it really, really breaks down. And, uh, and I think it's good for people to recognize that whenever you encounter rules, it's, you know, in part, you are encountering some game that humans made. Okay. And, yeah. Have you always taken a maverick approach or to business, or was there a particular trigger? No, I, I think I always did. I mean, you know, all the indicators are that since I was a kid, I was trying to do things differently. Mm-hmm. So are you always a maverick, or do you choose to be so at times? Oh, I think it's both, you know. Um, you know, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of opportunities to... Um, jump on to a more conventional plan, you know. Okay. I mean, I could go to work at a big company um, and manage a team or a group or a project or whatever and get predictable results. And the predictable results are, you know, I don't know, a salary and uh, some sense of job security and uh, benefits and those things. And I don't do that. So, for example, I, um, I'm a contractor, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I work at the lab. I've been there for seven years. Um, everybody else is an employee. We went from zero to 150 people mm-hmm. since I started there. And um, most of those people like to have a salary and, uh, and mm-hmm. benefits and, you know, paid time off. And I don't get any of that. Mm. Um, uh, I just get paid for my time and I have to buy my own health insurance. And I... Okay. Um, but I can work as much as I want or as little as I want. Um, okay. And I can work on other projects if I want. And I like that flexibility. Okay. And I don't, I don't feel like I need that sense of security that people are looking for by being an employee. Okay. Um, that's an example. Now, you said um, there are times when you are and there's times when you're not a maverick. How and why do you choose to be a maverick or not? Uh. Increasingly, I think the answer to that is just because, you know, I can, I'm good at it, I'm built for it, mm-hmm. um, and I think that uh, if the world needs me for anything, it's probably for those attributes, okay. not uh, to do things that other people can do. I figure, you know, my value in the world is to um, do what I'm uniquely good at and, um, and let other people do the things they're uniquely good at, and so... That's what I try to do. So is this choice a conscious or unconscious decision, and why? 
I think, it, again, I think it's kind of both. I mean, there's certainly cases where, um, you know, I have to decide to um, take on things that are, um, you know, that are unconventional or in my way that's unconventional. Okay. Um, it's hardest when you're in a situation where you're fighting against people who want to do things in a conventional fashion. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, here, that's our whiteboard. Okay. Our whiteboard is black. We just do everything differently by default because if we do, we'll figure out maybe there's a better way. Okay. You only ever use white whiteboards. You don't know if there's a reason why black ones might be better. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm just willing to just try that stuff and okay. see what happens. And, you know, if it turns out that the black ones are not better, then we can go back to white. And it doesn't really cause us a lot of consternation or damage, but, um, but most people just won't try that. Yes. You know? And I figure that's all the more reason why I should. Should. Because I can, I'm willing to, I'm comfortable with it, and maybe I'll find something that, that pays off. Okay. What are the advantages and disadvantages of being a maverick in business? Um, well, for me, mm-hmm. um, since I made a career of it, there hasn't been much that I would call a disadvantage. The one is the biggest one is that you could, um, you know, there is there is some risk. You know, I've I've had lots of times when I ran out of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of times when I, um, you know. Uh, you know, when my wife had to come along for the ride right. while I ran out of money or spent the money with her okay. or going to debt or whatever. And, um, you know, with, you know, she had no real assurance that I was going to pull us out of it or whatever. But, you know, um, at this point, I've succeeded enough that she just learned not to worry about it. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, and I have too, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't worry about those things. So, um, so what are the advantages? The advantages? Oh, I think it's, I think I have the best possible life, you know, I mean, I don't have either, so, um, okay. so anyway, the benefits are, you know, I feel really good about, um, myself personally, mm-hmm. I have, I don't feel like I've sold out to somebody else's, uh, corporate mission mm-hmm. necessarily, um, I feel like I get to work on things that may not pan out, but if they do, could have um, a big effect on the world and really help a lot of people. That, to me, is worth a lot. Okay. Um, I feel like I'm, you know, more realistic about the world than a lot of people are. You know, a lot of people are playing a game and they don't know it. They're, you know, voting for the president as if that was going to somehow have an effect on them. And they're working on, you know... uh, some crap job that they don't really like or believe in, but it pays the bills. Mm-hmm. That makes for depressed people. Yes. Um, they're, you know, they've really let themselves down, I think, by not, um, you know, again, like not trying to figure out what they're uniquely good for and, and making the most of that. Okay. So um, I don't have those problems because I feel like I'm, you know, at any given moment I'm doing whatever I think is the best thing to do with my time. Okay. And, um, that's a pretty good gig if you can get it. <laughs> that is that is an awesome gig. Yeah. Has Asian experience altered your Maverick approach? If so, how? Yeah, I mean, um, 
you know, when I was a kid, um, I knew absolutely everything that there was to know about computers. Okay. I knew what all the little ones and zeros were doing. There was nothing that you could do with a computer that I did not know how to do. Okay. Um, but since I was 19 years old, people were a little bit suspicious of whether I could tell them how to run their company using a computer. <laughs> um, okay. So now, computers have advanced a lot. Um, I don't know everything about computers, and there are 19-year-old kids who can run circles around me. Okay. But um, nobody believes them, <laughs> and everybody believes me. Okay. So I have an incredible amount of credibility, okay. um, and not necessarily I, um, uh, the time and attention to keep up with it technically, right? So, okay. for instance, I don't write any code anymore at all. Right. Which is pretty, you know... I mean, all the coding I do is via email, telling other people what to do okay. and what I think should be done. And that's, um, you know, learning to both be comfortable with that and make use of it and realize that, like, really, there are lots better coders than me mm -hmm. um, and that, you know, I shouldn't be doing that, even though I love doing it, um, uh, is, you know, I think that is something that came with, with time and experience and... Okay. Um, and then as far as age goes, I mean, the biggest ones, you know, I, you know, the way I work changed radically, you know, when I got married and when I became a parent, you know, those are things that mm. really changed what you can do. And, and so especially since becoming a parent, you know, the t type of work that I do and how I work has changed a lot okay. because I can't um, concentrate on things and I can't be available as much as I was. And so I had to, you know, choose the things I'm good for. Okay. And, what aspects of your life and business are you most and least maverick in? Oh, um, you know, I, I don't know, I guess the thing I'm least maverick about is, uh, you know, just being a husband, you know. Mm -hmm. I come home at six, I have dinner with my family, I okay. do all the things that a normal uh, dad does, um, you know, I mean, I do some things that most dads don't do uh, as well, but um, but you know that my family is pretty normal, conventional thing. You okay. know, I have a two-car garage house and yeah. you know, that kind of thing, um, which left to my own devices, I uh, wouldn't. I would have a bat cave and like, you know, <laughs> yeah, not, not a you know, seven forty-seven with a stripper pole in it. I don't know. I mean, yeah, it would just would be yeah. a different thing. I don't have any of that. So it's okay. A, um, you know, that's probably the most normal-looking thing about my life. And where um, are you most maverick? Where most maverick, I mean, I think it's in, um, you know, probably in the invention work. You know, mm -hmm. I'm my job is to invent futuristic technologies, and what I'm trying to do is um, invent practical uses for technology. So I'm, you know, I tend to work on a five to ten year horizon, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to be further out than most companies would be, mm -hmm. but still close enough that I'm not just taking a shot in the dark. Okay. And, I'm trying, and so so still being kind of crazy, but within that window. And um, and I'm pretty good at that. And okay. so that's that's probably the, the mm -hmm. one where I am most married. But also, like, you know, the way that I, um, you know, the way, I, like, the thing people see more, like, I'm an obsessed salsa dancer. 
So I okay. was dancing almost every night. Okay. The way that I dance is different. Everybody can tell. Okay. Um, but it's not that it's bad. And it's not that it's just that I'm playing a different game than everybody else. I'm not trying to become an expert at right. you know salsa dancing in a repertorial way where I dance like everybody else or like anybody else. I'm trying to invent my own way of dancing right. that I can still kind of get away with. Okay. And, uh, and that's working great, but it's also um, and it's exactly what I want to do and whatnot. But it's one of these cases where like you know all, all the salsa dancers know that I'm doing something a little different. Okay. And they like it, fortunately, or they wouldn't dance with me. But okay, uh, they're, it's like they're dancing. They're salsa dancers, and I'm dancing this Pablo style, and they come along for the ride. Okay, yeah. how do how do you balance being a maverick with home life? Then, as you with said, home life. yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of it for me was just um, trying to separate those things, mm -hmm. and um, and so. You know, there's a lot about having a home life that thrives when there's predictability and routine and stability mm -hmm. and comfort. And I try to give all those things to my family so they don't feel like, uh, you know, they have to worry about anything. Okay. Um, I'm not actually sure that's the best plan. Like, you know, the people I like the most all survive some kind of adversity. Mm. And I don't think my family really has any. You know? <laughs> okay. I'm not sure that's good for my kid. Okay. Um, but... That's what I do, is I try to separate that. So, you know, so this is more of a back cave than my house. Uh, right. And I keep those things separate. And I, you know, try to, um, you know, still, you know, like the way that I, you know, raise and educate my daughter, I'm not really satisfied with the usual plan. So that's a case where I have to kind of gently you know, bring my wife along and say, look, we have to change and do something different mm. here and it's not going to be the most comfortable or okay. whatever, but it's going to be worth it. And so, um, you know, that, that might be a, a version of dealing with a bureaucracy of, which okay. <laughs> you have to do in bigger companies. I typically avoid them and that's my way of dealing with it. At home, I can't avoid the bureaucracy yeah. entirely. So I have to, uh, play okay. along. but, but I wouldn't, you know, I try to, I think what I'm actually doing is trying to get it out of my system in my work and in dancing and the things that are not at home so that home can be stable and predictable. Okay, thank you. That seems to be what works for us. Is any part of being a maverick related to the legacy you want to leave behind? Yeah, that's, you know, it's one of these things where I'm not highly motivated by that, mm -hmm. meaning... Um, uh, I mean, it's a fleeting thing, you know, okay. the legacy is, I mean, I want to change the world, mm -hmm. I want to change it for the better, I want to advance technology in a way that really has an impact, um, but it's not really about getting my name on it, because okay. I'm going to die, and people are going to forget me, and, you know, yeah, they're going to remember Bill Gates' name for, like, you know, a couple hundred years longer yeah. than mine, but then they're going to forget him too, so, you know, it just okay. really not. Okay, that's, that's a very interesting take on it. Yeah. How much, if anything, of being a maverick is related to give back? Um, well, I don't know. I mean, you know, the way I look at it is that there's a, um, you know, again, we're all, we're kind of all playing this big game. 
which is that uh, we're fucking with survival of the fittest. Everybody gets to survive. Um, that's how, you know, at least all the humans, and we're trying to make it possible for all the humans to survive. And that's an unprecedented thing, okay. both for a species and, uh, and, and for ours in particular. And, um, and so if we're going to play that game, Mm-hmm. then we all kind of have to contribute and figure out how to make it happen. We don't know how to make it happen. That's uh, that's what we got to figure out. And so I'm, I'm playing that game. Okay. I'm trying to figure out how do I help make it so that all these humans can can not only survive but thrive. Okay. And, um, you know, I, I'm lucky because I get to do all of that almost for free. Mm-hmm. I'm an American. I was born on the West Coast. I won the evolutionary lottery and became human. Okay. And then I won the socioeconomic lottery and got to be American. Mm-hmm. And then, like, of all the Americans, I got to be, like, on the West Coast in high tech. And I'm basically set. Okay. Even just by being here. Right. So, you know, I could try and nitpick and win another lottery. But basically what I'm trying to do is... You know, my view is, uh, you know, the world has invested heavily in me, mm-hmm. right? And so, as a member of, uh, of the world mm-hmm. who has been heavily invested in, I feel responsible to give back, okay. right? I mean, I could take all this and just go for hookers and blow until I'm dead. <laughs> but that's not, oh, love that's it. not, I think, very fulfilling or constructive because... Um, uh, you know, like I said, I don't have that opportunity because I'm awesome. It's because the world invested in me. Okay. So my view is that, you know, we should be giving back. I should be, in my way, taking all the freedom that I have, all the resources that I have, and figuring out how to use it to make the world better. Okay. And, um, you know, it, it's not that the world needs me to drive a Ferrari, but if I do... When I do drive a Ferrari, it should be because I'm going to learn how to take what I can learn from driving a Ferrari and find a way to scale it for the whole world, make it more accessible, advance those technologies into the future, make it so that every car can be more like a Ferrari, whatever it takes, right? Okay. And that's and that, and that you could apply to anything. You've probably touched on the you've probably touched on this in some of your response yeah. here. But how do your ethics and values impact on being an av- maverick? Well, you know, um, what I think about it is that, um, you know, for better or worse, people end up with some, you know, values of their own. Um, And regardless of what they are, I just try to support people in what their own values are, rather than impose mine on anybody I don't expect people to like necessarily be like me or want the same things as me or care about the same things as me that's fine Um, with my friends I try to find out what it is that they value and support them in pursuing that Mm -hmm. and um, and I think that actually works out really well okay for me as a you know as a person like my values have changed over time I actually find that, like, because, maybe because of uh, what you're calling Maverick, I have been on both sides of the exact same position in my life, which to me is the most amazing thing. Like, I grew up uh, religious, and I was totally bought in 
I got rid of that. Okay. <laughs> I'm not religious at all. I'm completely on the other side right. of things that I was 100% sure about before. Okay. And now I'm 100% sure on the other side of the same things. Okay. And, and I don't really care which side people are on. What I love the most is seeing that I can be on both sides Side. of the okay. same thing. To me, that's wisdom. And, like, that's... Um, that's a beautiful thing. Now I'm not sure I'm right about anything. And I don't need to be. I'm pretty comfortable with that. Yeah. Being right to me isn't like what the actual goal is. That's not what I'm trying to accomplish. I'm trying to just figure out what's possible. Okay. And, you know, and so, you know, one of the beautiful side effects of that has been that I um, learned to value people for what they are good at. Mm-hmm. And, um, and what they can contribute. Mm-hmm. And I don't need them all to be well-balanced human beings. Yeah. I don't need everybody to be the same. I don't need everybody to have the same skills or the same language or the same values or any of that. I just need to be able to value them for what they're good at. And if you do that, you aren't trying to change people, then um, you get the best out of them. Okay. And so that's part of what's been made it possible for me to work effectively with, you know, poorly socialized computer geeks my whole career okay okay so mavericks tend to be risk takers what's the biggest risk you've taken in business to date well um you know the biggest i mean i've taken big risks with other people's money mm-hmm. <laughs> um <laughs> And I feel like, uh, you know, I, I feel like that's mostly worked out, but I've certainly, you know, I've spent hundreds of millions of dollars on companies that don't exist anymore. I mean, I, almost nobody, no company I worked for still exists. Okay. Except for one, which is a spaceship company, and they don't even have a product or customers. That's not even really a company. So, basically, I've, got this long resume of things that went out of business. Okay. And, that, and in Silicon Valley, that makes me very desirable. Okay. <laughs> well, it, it appears to do so. That takes me nicely to what I'm going to ask you. How many ventures have you undertaken in the past five years? Well, in the fa- so um, in the past five years, I've... Uh, um, you know, my main work has been at the lab. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to look on, I have a list though. I started making a list of current ones. So okay. I can tell you what I have currently going on. Right. Because um, I, I couldn't tell you. I mean, I do a lot of things. Yeah. Um, so but I'm just going to give you the rough idea. Okay, I got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Uh, we'll call it 15 current projects. Okay. That doesn't count, like, I mean, over the last five years, you know, there's probably another three times that many that I've gotten into and out of. Okay. So, what would you consider are the characteristics of a successful project or venture? I I guess I don't feel like any of them are failures. Okay. Completely, you Mm -hmm. know, um... There are definitely cases, you know, like a few years ago, I was trying to cure cancer. Okay. And we had this idea um, that was really cool. We spent, you know, part-time for a year on it. Mm-hmm. 
and eventually figured out it wasn't going to work. And for us, that's totally fine because I went and worked on self-sterilizing elevator buttons after okay. that. I'm not going to keep banging my head on cancer yeah. the way like a cancer researcher would. Mm. Um, so that's what you would call a failed project. Okay. But out of that project, we got a couple of other ideas that look okay. really good. We haven't fully explored them yet. But, um, you know, it generated, you know, other ideas. We learned a lot about cancer. Um, you know, we, you know, I think, you know, advanced uh, at least our knowledge, if not mm -hmm. the world's knowledge about it. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of good things that come out of a failed project. Right. Um, you know, uh, five or six years ago, or whatever, no, it was more than that. I was in 2004, I was working on trying to build, you know, miniaturize a PC and take everything that's in your laptop and get it crammed down into your pocket. And we did that, and we shipped a product, and we didn't get to, you know, I mean, the product was too cool and too expensive and too soon, and it failed after a couple of years in the market. But um, all that miniaturization work that we did mm -hmm. is what makes your iPhones and iPads possible now. Okay, okay. And so... You know, there's another failed company where we burned through, I don't know, $60 million or something and um, didn't make it back. But the technology advanced and now it's really having an effect. A billion people have those things now. Okay. So. okay. so of your ventures, what yeah. according to your definition of success then, what percentages have been successful? Well... You know, according to my definition of success, I guess they're all successful. Yeah. Um, if you're an investor, then your metric is a little more straightforward, and none of them are successes. Okay. And that's not true. The current ones, you know, the lab is paying off. Like, mm -hmm. we are, you know, that, that's wildly successful. Um, and our invention work is successful. We've spun out a bunch of companies, and they're making money, or will soon. So we're not, um, yeah, I mean, we're doing fine. Um, okay. Blue Origin, which is a spaceship company, is still going concerned. It's you know its goal is to build uh, human space travel systems, and that's you know that's going along fine. Um, and there's no reason to think it won't be successful. Okay. Um, but it's the kind of thing where you pour a couple billion dollars into it over a decade or two and see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. we don't know; it might not be successful. But even so, it it will advance space travel one way or another. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm not, I'm not specifically trying to get a financial return out of any one thing. Oh, I guess I am because I'm spending my time on them. You know, mm -hmm. MakerBot, which is the 3D printer company I work on, um, we, you know, that's a startup from, I mean, we started it in Brooklyn four years ago. This year we sold it for $600 million. Okay. So that's a pretty good uh, yeah. success. Um, financially mm. for investors. And, you know, the investors that I brought in for MakerBot at the very beginning made 400 times on their money. So, okay. they have, so you know, some investors lost money on other things I worked on. Some, some investors made money on this. Okay. But, you know, if I do something new, they all want to hear about it. Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah. So what did, you, what did you do that made those ventures successful? What did you do personally, Pavis? I think, you know, the thing that, in almost every case, the thing that I'm good for um, is I will take a project and get it from the point where 
it's uh, a little too practical, a little too rational, a little mm -hmm. too conservative. And I'll try and make it a little bit crazier, a little bit bigger, a little bit more. Okay. Yeah. And, and often by, you know, using and trying to make sure that this is a project where we're using technology to do something that, that couldn't be done before. Okay. Yeah. Of the projects that were unsuccessful, what would you consider was the main reason for their failure? Um, you know, several, I mean, like, the, um, you know, one of them that went, went out of business when the dot-com bubble crashed. I mean, we were, you know, we had probably $80 million from investors. We built the product. We had revenue. We had a team full of geniuses. Everything was going great. Um, but then just everything got shut down, carte blanche, yeah. default to our own. Um, another one that before that that failed for me was one where I think I was in part too young and too and I didn't know a lot. Okay. Um, and I didn't have enough experience and I couldn't move fast enough because uh, I didn't know how to you know know how to get things done. Now um, the way I operate is much different. I was I was willing to take too much second guessing is the truth you know lots of other people would, okay um i would assume they knew more and had more experience than me and i would you know just uh defer to them too much okay. now i don't defer to anybody um, <laughs> i get lots of advice and lots of input and i have lots of people who i get help from but i take the responsibility and i make the decisions myself and um and that way uh you know it's um, I think it's, it's it, that providing that kind of leadership is really important to a project and now I'm capable of doing it. Okay, I will be asking you some questions yeah. on leadership. As a maverick, what are you afraid of? Um, you know, I guess what I think is that, um, you know, I do feel pretty limited in that I get to only live one life mm -hmm. and I'm trying to burn the candle at both Depends. ends and do as much as I can in one life, but I might be wasting time on a project that's the wrong one mm -hmm. or not the best one or, um, you know, uh, and I think that, and actually I think I worry about not taking enough risk. You know, okay. like I, I worry about that. I'm, you know, being too conservative and cautious, right. um, I think that happens a lot, you know. I mean, I have a pretty cushy life right now, mm -hmm. um, but I'm not gambling at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. How important is team to you as a maverick? Mm. Well, I really like um, working with people. Mm -hmm. you know, part of how I think is out loud. I need to talk about ideas with other people. Yeah. I like being on a team. I like people feeling like they're working together. Um, I don't have to do that, but mm -hmm. I like to do that. Okay. So I kind of go out of my way to make teams for me to be on. Okay. <laughs> that I like. Okay. Do you draw on other mavericks in any oh, way? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I, you know, part of why I stay at the lab is that I've got a whole team of world-class Mavericks. I mean, okay. You know, I mean, 
I work with Nathan Mirvold and Bill Gates. I mean, I don't know if you know anything about these guys, but yeah, they're pretty, uh, pretty notorious mavericks. Okay. And, um, and then, you know, my biggest partner in crime, his name's Eric Johansson. He's another computer hacker. He's probably the biggest maverick I know. Okay. Um, you know, we've taken on supporting, you know, like Bree Pettis, who's the founder of MakerBot. You know, he's an old buddy of ours and, and, uh, really a true maverick that's a great project and he's changed the world with that okay. um and i and then uh, my i also uh you know a couple times a week talk to elon lee who um he was the first game designer for xbox but he, he's notorious for creating an entire genre called alternate reality games which are games sort of overlaying technology on the real world mm-hmm. um so yeah, I mean, all my friends that I, that I feel close with are, are people you would you would classify as mavericks. I think. Okay, does being a maverick affect your approach to leadership? Yeah, I mean, um, usually I try not to get in a situation where I'm managing people. Mm. Um, I want people to be inspired by the ideas Mm -hmm. so I put a lot of effort into communicating what the ideas are what the vision is here's where we're trying to go and let people figure out how they can contribute to that okay Um, that's how I like to do things and that's good for certain types of projects and certain life cycles of a project and certain types of people and certain types of teams but it's not really good for everything there's a lot that it's not good for okay Um, in a lot of cases people and a lot of people need, you know, really need to be told what to do, and they need somebody to, you know, decide. Here's what you should do right now, and like, you know, manage them. And I'm not, I'm not good at that. I want people to, you know, I, I can work well with people who get inspired by okay. uh, figuring out what to do themselves. Is being a maverick related to creativity? And if so, how? Well, I think so. I mean, you don't, you know, if you're trying to, you know, a lot of people confuse. Um, craftsmanship mm-hmm. for creativity yes and, okay. um, and you see that especially in the arts and whatnot yeah um, but for creativity you know you're trying to you're trying to make something new and um, that, I think that's part of you know my definition of creativity that's the create part okay if you create something that's been created before, that's not really creation. <laughs> um, that's recreation. Yes. And so you might have like recreativity for people who you know play Bach on a violin. Right. Um, and so what I think is that if you're talking about creativity, you have to be open to doing something new. And anything that gets in the way of your openness and willingness and comfort with doing something new is going to um, reduce your success. And so that's... So yeah, I mean, all the all the rules, all the social conventions, all of the you know protocols that bureaucracies and things that, that slow people down, and all the social pressure and financial pressures that slow them down, you know, that's not helpful for creativity. And that's why you see, you know, the people we think of as being most creative, especially in the arts, are you know people who are broke and on drugs mm. and like from yeah. the you know bad neighborhood you know like they have nothing to lose okay and 
and so they can do something totally new and not feel inhibited. And okay. so, um, you know, I'm trying to find my way of doing that. Okay, that makes sense. Is there anyone who's a maverick who inspires you? Well, yeah, certainly. I mean, you know, I, um, you know, I grew up, I mean, it's kind of cliche at this point, but, you know, um, I got my first computer, an Apple II, in 1979. Okay. And so, you know, I read everything I could about Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak in those days. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, you know, I mean, that, you know, they ended up being so, Steve Jobs in particular became so successful that just like everybody in the world cites Steve Jobs. So that doesn't yeah. feel particularly unique at this point, but I literally grew up with It Steve doesn't Bob. matter. It doesn't have to be unique. Yeah. It's whoever yeah. inspires you. But that's about, you know, I watched every, every, I mean, people all talk about those keynote scenes just mm. now, where it did it up until recently. I watched those in the 80s, you know. Right. And I, and I um, you know, really was inspired by his view on what we, because the thing that was different, which is now proven, but mm -hmm. wasn't at the time, mm -hmm. is that computers could help people. Yes. And they could be personal. And, um, and that's not what anybody else was trying to do. Right. And, uh, and so and that's what I wanted to do. That's what, I didn't go to college because what you could learn in college was about the science of computation. Yeah. And what I wanted to do was put computers to use. Right. And I could get companies to hire me to do that. Yeah. And so I, um, in a weird way, you know, was like, you know, more dedicated to that vision that I literally got from Steve Jobs of trying to make computers useful in people's lives. Okay. And, um, now that's become fairly normal. This takes me nicely. I've only got two more questions, so yeah. we're good for time. What motivates you, Pavlos? Um, you know, I just want to do things that I think are cool and new. I want to always advance technology. I am, the truth is I'm motivated by showing people something new. I'm showing them yeah. what's possible. That's why you saw me speaking is I want to share those things and yeah. show people, you know, look at this. You didn't know this was possible. Technology can do this. You know, people don't realize that what has made their lives better unilaterally for everybody on earth is technology oh definitely in our lives yeah. yeah well they still don't they think it's you know something else um it's technology okay. and so i'm trying to have that effect you know it happened to me on my life i got to experience that as a kid um and um and so i yeah i'm motivated by and i've been doing that my whole life since ever since i was nine years old i was dragging people out to my house to show them a computer and to show them how exciting it was and I'm still doing that today. Okay, yeah. so my final question. Yeah. What would you like to have been asked that I haven't asked mm. you? Well, you know, probably the real question is like, how do we, you know, assuming that, uh, somebody has, is convinced of the value of Mavericks, mm -hmm. which hopefully at least you are since you've gotten this far into your project, um, how do we try and make more? I'm working on it. Thank you very much.